Welcome back to the Syracuse Football Podcast. I'm Stephen Bailey, joined as always by Julian Wiggum. And this week we've got a really important game for the Orange. 3-3 three and three going into a game against Pittsburgh Friday night in the Carrier Dome at 7. Pitt 4-2. and two. This, you know, if last week was kind of a swing game, this is kind of a, you know, they, they, they really need to get something going because it could start to get out of hand game. Uh, so Julian and I are going to break all of that down. We're going to talk with Jerry DePaola from the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Um, answer some fan questions, give our predictions, uh, yeah, and just kind of break down what everyone should be expecting on Friday night. Before we dive into that, a reminder, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you use to listen to your podcasts. You can purchase advertising with us by calling Dylan Carpenter at 315-470-6069. All right, Julian, let's kind of dive in. I think a lot of the show is going to talk about Syracuse's offense versus Pittsburgh's defense. Pat Pat Narduzzi uh, is known to have an aggressive style, very similar to that of Scott Schaefer's. You obviously played for Schaefer. You know, what are you kind of expecting from Pitt? And, and, you know, you know, you've known Schaefer pretty well. What's the relationship like between those guys? Yeah, so when I was in Syracuse under Coach Schaefer and uh, Coach Bullock, uh, Coach Narduzzi was at Michigan State, and the two defenses that we ran were nearly identical. Uh, they bounced ideas off of each other, what seemed like in season, um, on the phone, hey, this is what Michigan State did, we're about to do it too, here's the film so you can see how to do it, now we're going to go do it. And they seemed to bounce ideas off of each other all the time, whether it's the off season, in season, uh, those guys had a real close relationship, so... Uh, their game plans as far as defensive philosophies are just about the same. And they may may have a few adjustments here or there that differs, and that's what makes them two different coaches. But for the most part, you can expect Pitt to come out and attack the offensive line of Syracuse. If that's a weakness, that's a plus-plus benefit for uh, Pitt's defensive line and linebackers. They're going to find ways to bring pressure. They're going to go to that 3-3-5 defense that has seemed to give Syracuse fit all season long. It's going to be a mainstay of the defense, and I expect them to bring lots of pressure. The key for Syracuse this week is going to be finding ways to go over top. Pitt's going to leave their corners on the outside, give them a nice feel about how it's going to be on them to keep things bottled up, be physical on the outside, don't give up too many deep balls, and they'll be okay. That's what happened uh, just about every week that we played a team that either was aggressive rushing the football or had a weak offensive line that we felt like we could pressure. The game plan went to the corner saying, hey, you guys are going to be our plugs. Don't let much leak. If you get beat on deep ball, don't worry about it. That's going to have to be their game plan, and we're betting on them having a low percentage chance of them putting those balls on the outside, and we're going to clog up everything on the inside against the run and against uh, short passing game. And as a corner, you're like, okay, cool. I don't have to worry about getting beat. If I do, not a big deal. It's going to happen. But if we can keep those to a, a minimal, we'll be okay. And it's a great defensive scheme to run, uh, whether you're on the outside of the corner, you're safe to get a chance to blitz and play coverage, or you're a linebacker or a defensive lineman going after the run and going after the quarterback every play. It's a lot of fun to play. And for Syracuse, the key for them is getting the ball out quickly. You've got to be able to push that ball down the field against their corners and complete it uh, with regularity. I'm thinking back to uh, against Pitt in 2016. Obviously, that one was just you know a different kind of game. But even in the past, when Syracuse played Pitt, the big key for them is getting the deep ball downfield uh, going against uh, their corners. I remember one year it was Ish 
going against this uh, really good corner that Pitt had one year with light uh, dreads and whatnot, and that was a big matchup, and Ish did pretty well. I think Syracuse went on to win that game, I believe. I think that was 2016, 2017. And then uh, coming back, it was uh, still, you're trying to find ways to get the ball deep downfield. And that week, I don't think that uh, they were able to find uh, Custis very often downfield and ended up being a tough game for Dungy. Uh, Pitt did a very good job of keeping things underneath and, and getting after the quarterback and also rushing the ball on their offensive side. So for Syracuse, again, it's going to be the exact same game plan that they've had against Pitt for just about four or five years now where they're going to need to push the ball downfield with some success. And then when they start to feel pressure, when they bring five, six guys, you've got to find a way to screen them out of that. You've got to be able to push the ball to the to the, the sidelines, whether that's bubble screens or running back screens, just find ways to get that ball out quickly and hurt them when they try to bring pressure. The problem for Syracuse this year, unfortunately, has they they haven't been able to pick it up. The, the line just, for whatever reason, and I, I think it's inexperience, I think it's just youth, I think it's uh, a level of talent that you, they just haven't uh, been able to graduate up a level yet. Uh, but it, it, they've got to find ways to screen and bubble it out of those blitzes because teams are going to continue to do this three three five, mix up the pressures, mix up which gaps, stunts, and uh, all of these different games from the defensive line. And if Syracuse can't pick that up, they're going to have a hard time moving the ball. And then on the other side, Pitt's offense is pretty talented. They've been able to move the ball with some success this year. I think they're um, averaging close to, uh, I think it's a little over 25 points per game, 28 points per game, something like that. Uh, so they're they're able to move the ball. They can play uh, Syracuse this week. They're gonna have a, a lot in their hands, but they're gonna have to find a way to push the ball vertically um, if they expect to win this week. Yeah, we talked a lot about the offensive issues after the NC State game. Um, I guess the one piece of good news is the game is at home for Syracuse. That offensive line that clearly has struggled to communicate on the road should have a little bit of a quieter environment. You know, I think we saw one of the sacks last week where Carlos Federello was expecting help from his guard and kind of gave up inside leverage and Tommy DeVito steps up, Aaron Service gets beat in the middle. You know, so maybe you can mitigate some of those plays by being at home, but Pitt's D-line is really good. Uh, Jalen Twyman has six sacks. Amir Watts, a guy who actually works out with Chris Elmore in the offseason, really good edge rusher. Mm. So I think there's there's going to be that constant stream of pressure. I think you nailed it with the screen game. That's something that Syracuse has done well at times this year. Can you mix in maybe a couple different looks, try and use Pitt's aggressiveness against them a little bit? Uh, and then the timing routes. I think this is the biggest test for DeVito and his wide receivers since probably Clemson. You know, if you can hit the back shoulder ball and, and you can get that out in 1.7, 1.8 seconds, all right, you know, that's something you can kind of go back to. And, and I know you'd like to take the deep balls, but you need more time to develop those. We basically saw when Syracuse against NC State, you know, Tommy's throwing those balls up when his receivers are only 15, 20 yards downfield. Like, it's it's hard to right. complete deep balls when you've got to throw them up that early. And uh, it doesn't mean it can't work, but it's going to be tough. Well, that's what I think. That, well, that's another thing I, I think an issue for, for Syracuse so far this year has been getting off of press coverage. I don't see it happening, whether even in the slot position sometimes, you see guys not being able to get beyond uh, six, seven yards with any amount of time. And I think that's been throwing a lot of. Uh, the timing routes that you were just talking about between DeVito and his receivers off as well. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot for Syracuse to fix this season. And it, it's just the way the schedule works out. They have tests against issues that they struggle with all the time now. And if, like, they can overcome these things, I think they could be a pretty good football team. The problem is uh, – 
they just seem to just come to the their opponents week after week. So another big test in terms of wide receivers finding a way off of press coverage and getting those timing rights down. Yeah, one small personnel note. Pitt's going to be without sophomore safety Paris Ford for the first half. A uh, bit of a playmaker on their back end. Uh, they have a, a veteran, Jazzy Stocker, who's going to fill in. They've got a lot of experience back there, and, and I think Pitt prides itself on, on its athleticism. So, you know, Syracuse is going to hope to test that, and it should be a good battle. And flipping sides of the ball, I think we're going to see a pretty similar game plan, you know, from the offense. Pitt has not been able to run the ball this year. They lost 2,000-yard rushers last year. Um, they got a new offensive coordinator in Mark Whipple, and they've challenged defenses going downfield. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit with Jerry DePaul later about that, but I think it's going to be a fun matchup, and I think Syracuse is, you know, Syracuse kind of prides itself on its, on its athleticism on the back end. How are those guys going to kind of step up? You know, what, what are you looking for, Julian, from those guys in the back end, especially if Andre Sisko and Afatu Malafonwu aren't back yet? Yep, so big key for when you're playing a, a spread offense attack like this, uh, big kids, what can you learn from games like Maryland, uh, where teams were using that those RPO actions where they're mixing in play-action pass uh, and, I, and isolating guys and making reads off of them? Have you grown from that situation? It, I think there's going to be a big linebacker game in terms of the secondary and what they can do. I mean, Pitt obviously trying to replace the run game with maybe a little bit more uh, pass action and such to the outside. But if linebackers can – figure out that where they need to be in terms of beating that RPO action, not getting sucked into the run and staying at home. Uh, I think it makes it easier for the back four guys in secondary, whether it be safeties or corners, uh, locking in on their man. You don't have gaps in certain areas where guys are just wide open, uh, beating you downfield for big chunks, chunk plays 15, 20 yards downfield. So for Syracuse's defense, big key I think is going to be linebackers and safeties. Can you stay home against RPOs? Can you make can you make the correct read, whether it's run or pass, or uh, if guys are motioning where to be? Because I think a lot of inconsistency so far in the secondary has been motions, guys uh, getting offset and losing their man and where they're supposed to be. Those big plays that we really haven't seen since the 2016 season, guys just seem to be out of place, whether it's linebackers, safeties, corners for the most part seem to be locked up um, in, in either a zone covers that turns into a man. They're kind of focused on one guy for the most part. But between linebackers and safeties this year, uh, one thing that I've seen has been uh, motions and shifts that seem to confuse where guys are supposed to be. And I'm actually seeing a lot of safety linebacker communication in terms of what were you doing? What's going on? What are we doing right here? And you know, they, they just had this issue last week in NC State. So, um, you know, just fixing those issues in terms of where guys need to be, understanding what kind of coverage they're in. Um, I think that's going to be the biggest key in terms of secondary, not beating themselves. Because for the most part, I think they've been sound as a secondary. Even backup guys uh, have come in and, and played and been where they need to be. It's just a matter of not beating themselves. And I think Pitt is looking for those kinds of mistakes um, as an offense. Guys just taking eye candy and uh, taking one read and, and leaving a, a gap open for Pitt to explore. And I think that's how they've gotten a lot of their big games big games this year. So for Syracuse secondary, the biggest key for them, just being heady, playing above, above the shoulders, knowing where to be, uh, knowing where – uh, their keys are and not giving up big plays. Because on the outside, I think Syracuse, even without Melifonwu, uh, is still solid in terms of the secondary manning up and taking their guy. I haven't seen many plays where the secondary is just getting beat, just outright beat. Guys are going over top of them, running by them. Haven't seen that this much this year. 
more so than um, guys just not being in place. So when you're playing a pit team like this who wants to utilize some of those RPO actions, who wants to take advantage of some things in the middle of the field, you've got to be able to read your keys, and I think that's going to be the biggest emphasis for Syracuse's defense this week. Mm -hmm. Two quick thoughts before jumping into our interview with Jerry. I I think tackling is going to be really important, especially for the secondary. Uh, Maurice French and Taysir Mack have combined for 91 catches through six games. It's the most among a a two-receiver pairing in the country. So you're going to have to tackle again and again, and these guys have the athleticism to run away. And, And then to your point on RPOs, I think, one, being at home helps a little bit for Syracuse, and two, when I think I think a lot of those plays stem from the Maryland and Clemson games, well, both of those teams could run the ball really well, and it's a heck of a lot harder to defend the RPO when you're worried about Travis Etienne. You think back to Trevor Lawrence pulling the ball for that touchdown and, and waving at Evan Foster on his on his way into the end zone. You know, you can play – maybe it's easier to play that evenly when you're not worried about an All-American running back. Again, Pitt has not been a particularly good running team this year, replacing four guys in the offensive line. Um, but but certainly, you know, I agree. We're, we're going to see the Panthers try and fool SU. Uh, <clears throat> NC State had that nice double pass uh, where they had a wide receiver in the backfield, and I think there were some ID issues, and Andrew Armstrong might have lost his guy there. But – yeah, it's going to be interesting on that side of the ball as well. Uh, let's jump in now to our interview with Jerry DePaula. Jerry, thanks so much for joining us. How you doing? Good. How you doing, Stephen? I'm I'm doing great. I'm really excited for this this weekend's matchup. Dino Babers kind of said this is the fun part for Syracuse. Kind of find out how they're going to react to a three and three start. I'm not sure how fun it's going to be for Tommy DeVito. Uh, obviously, Syracuse has really struggled to protect the quarterback this year. 26 sacks, I think fourth fourth away from being the worst in the country. Pittsburgh has found a lot of success in pressuring the quarterback. How are you kind of viewing that matchup? And uh, you know, Are you just basically expecting more of the same from the Panthers, really, really aggressive, uh, kind of leaving the corners on an island? Yeah, well, Pat Narduzzi always leaves the corners on an island. He's going to do that no matter you know who he has lining up in his front front seven. But his front seven has been pretty good. Uh, in fact, probably the best front seven he's had in five in the five years he's been at Pitt. And I, I say that because they seem to have more speed, especially among the linebackers. Uh, one of the uh, one of the one of the outside linebackers, uh, Philip Campbell, was a former safety. Uh, the other one, Kylan Johnson, you know, played at Florida, been transferred from Florida, uh, and they're getting pretty good p- performances on the inside from. A veteran, Celine Brightwell, and then their front front four. It's been unbelievable what the front four has done. Jalen Twyman is, is only a sophomore, and he has six sacks already in six games. And they're missing Rashad Weaver and Keisha on Camp, two starters who you know are out for the season, who are projected to be probably the two best players on the defensive line, especially Weaver, uh, who had a really good season last year uh, with a lot of sacks and a lot of hurries. And uh, he got hurt in training camp, and he hasn't played since. But the other guys have picked up the slack. Players like Deslin, players you never heard of, like Deslin Alexander, Patrick Jones II, uh, Twyman, uh, they're all getting sacked. Even uh, a local kid, uh, Danielson, who went to Thomas Jefferson High School here in Pittsburgh, is getting some pressure on quarterbacks from time to time as a backup. So they're getting, they have probably, I think, probably one of the best defensive line coaches in the nation, and then Charlie Partridge leading them. He was hired a couple years ago. He used to be the head coach at Ford Atlantic. I uh, used to be at Pitt many years ago and has been around in college football a long time, and he's done a great job with those, those guys in the front four. Sure. How have you seen opposing teams try and try and attack that or, or, or handle it? Is there maybe a game Syracuse should be looking 
looking to to see oh you know they were able to to balance that pressure in a certain way or, or attack a different aspect of Pitt's defense anyone have a lot of success against that approach yet this year well no one really uh, I, I think that uh, you know even Penn State didn't have a whole lot of success you know, it was a 17 to 10 game uh, up there at State College that day uh, Pitt was expecting Duke to uh, throw the ball quickly you know get the ball out of the quarterback's hands as quickly as possible and uh, they were still getting to him uh, and part of the reason they're still getting to him is because the coverage on the back end has been so good. And now I, I, the X factor this week is going to be the absence of Paris Ford for the first half of the Syracuse game. Paris got ejected from the Duke game, late in the Duke game, uh, for, for targeting. Uh, it's, it's kind of a questionable call. Narduzzi didn't want to talk about it today. If, if he heard from the, the ACC or they talked about it with the ACC, but it was kind of a questionable call. If you saw this, saw the game, uh, Paris Ford, he's a real, uh, he's a real passionate, uh, kid with a lot of energy. He went crazy. He was ready to, they had to hold him back. He was so upset that he got ejected for that play. Uh, and it was late in the game when Pitt was trying to win. It was, it was a real close game and he gets thrown out. Probably their best player in the secondary. He won't play in the first half. So they'll put in some, uh, a backup by the name of Jazzy Stalker. Another guy, Bryson Garner, might, might play a little bit at that, at that strong safety position. But the other guys in the secondary have done well, and they're all veterans. Dane Jackson, Jason Pinnock, uh, and then DeMar Hamlin, the, the free safety, is having a really good season. He's a senior and is playing really well. So uh, that's part of the reason they're getting such good pressure on the quarterback because the quarterback has nowhere to throw the ball because the coverage has been so good. Now, that's only in, in the couple games that they've won. They are 4-2. and two. They have lost a couple of games. Uh, especially the Virginia game was a bad one. They weren't playing uh, as well in, in the Virginia game in the opener as they're playing now. Uh, but uh, they do do seem to have a defense now that has more speed than Pat Narduzzi has ever had on defense at Pitt. Yeah, I think that'll kind of come down to it for Syracuse. They're going to try and take some shots down the field. Maybe if you get Tristan Jackson in man coverage, challenge that. And I mean, not much else has worked for Syracuse this year. Uh, flipping sides of the ball, got a new offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. You know, Dino right. Babers basically said Pitt's now passing the ball more. more. That's kind of his big takeaway rather than being totally are, run yeah. heavy. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? You know, what, is, what has he done well? And maybe where's that group and its learning curve? Well, I, I think they're, they're, getting, they're getting really, really proficient at the passing game. Uh, Taser Mack and Maurice French are two receivers as a duo lead the country in, in receptions. 91 receptions between, between the two of them. Uh, and, and, and Whipple's done a great job. You know, Narduzzi knew he had to do something, get the passing game improved this year. That's why he, he fired Sean Watson, the former coordinator, and hired Mark Whipple, Whipple, who had been actually fired at the University of Massachusetts as the head coach there. And he has been in, in college football and in the NFL for a long time. He was Ben Roethlisberger's first quarterbacks coach with the Steelers back in 2004. So the guy's been around football a long time, and he's had a chance to work with Kenny Pickett, the quarterback, and work on some of the timing issues they had last year. And and the new new wide receivers coach this year too, Chris Beatty, has done a good job with those two guys. So, um, and, and and the running game has been almost nowhere uh, for Pitt this year, and I think that's one of the reasons that uh, Narduzzi went out and hired a new offensive coordinator, receivers coach, because he knew the passing game was going to be so important. Because knew the running game was going to take a dip, you know, after losing two 1,000-yard rushers to graduation in uh, in Kadri Olson and Darren Hall. Yeah, that's what it's looked like from here. Have so obviously seen a lot of spread formations. Um, how have you seen defenses react? I think Syracuse, so Syracuse has gone to a four-two-five 
as its primary base the last two years. Have you seen teams trying to adjust in-game to, to what Pitt's doing and what's kind of been successful uh, you know, in, in defending that passing attack? Well, I, I think that the, the, the team that defended the passing attack the best was Penn State. And the reason they defended it the best, I thought, is because they have the best athletes on defense. It's probably one of the best defenses in the country. Uh, but even in that game, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett was hitting some deep balls. Uh, he likes to throw the ball up, up in the air and let Taser Mack or Maurice French go up in, in, in a jump ball situation and bring it down. And, and, and Taser Mack did that in the Penn State game late in the game. You remember the controversy that erupted in, in yep. that game when they got to the one-yard line down seven points with about five minutes to go, and Narduzzi decided to kick a field goal. And uh, it turned out they did get the ball back. They missed the field goal, got the ball back, and again moved again downfield. And they you know, Pickett had a good game against Penn State, except they couldn't get it in the end zone more than once, and that was a big problem. Teams you know, really haven't been able to do much unless they have the athletes that can jump with a guy like Taser Mack, who really jumps like a basketball player uh, when, he going for, when he's going for a rebound. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think Syracuse's defense prides itself on, on some of the athletes it has on its back end, but, uh, you know, they, they they definitely took some lumps against Clemson and Maryland, too, so that should be fun to watch. You know, anything that we haven't talked about yet that you think is going to be a critical variable on Friday night? I'm interested to see what happens uh, with the kicker, Alex Kessman, who has missed half of his field goal attempts this year. Uh, now this, this is going to be his first game in a dome. Uh, but I don't think he's had bad weather situations in kicking. He's just been missing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Narduzzi promised that he wouldn't miss another kick the rest of the season. I think he did miss one, but it was, uh, I think it was over 50 yards. Uh, and Kessman really was really good last year. And, you know, when Pitt plays Syracuse, most of the time, uh, except for that 76-61 extravaganza <laughs> a couple years ago, it's been a close game. You know, even that game, you know, we never, Pitt never felt comfortable even with a big lead because of the way the defense was playing. And, you know, Narduzzi was so mad after that game. I never seen a, a winning coach so angry after winning by two touchdowns and Narduzzi was that day. And his defense was three years ago. His defense has gotten much better since then. Uh, but it's going to be a close game up, up in, in a dome once on Friday night. I'm convinced of it. And if Kessman uh, can't hit the big field goals, there's a good chance that Pitt's, you know, Pitt's going to lose out on that uh, first place uh, quest they're trying to do in the ACC Coastal. Yeah, if there's one advantage that I'm pretty sure Syracuse has, it is at kicker. I'm not sure if that's going to be enough, uh, but it should be a fun game. Like you said, they've been close the last few years. Um, yeah, I'm excited Pitt to see how it trouble goes. In the dome. Yeah, crazy things happen in the dome, uh, and Pitt always has trouble no matter what kind of team they they have. Syracuse is always. Uh, you know, prepared to play, and and Narduzzi you know made a point this week of talking about Dino Babers and the great job that he's done with that Syracuse program, and he really has. I'm kind of surprised at the way things have turned out for Syracuse so far this season. You know, that Maryland score just totally stunned me. I was I was shocked that they was it 63 points they gave up to Maryland. Yep. Uh, second week of the season, uh, I'm sure the defense has gotten better since then. And I watched the NC State game, and the defense did play better in that game, but they still didn't win because the offense didn't come through for them. But Pitt's got one of those teams, too, the same as Syracuse, up and down. I mean, they're 4-2 and two on a three-game winning streak. But boy, they could have lost that Duke game. Uh, they, they blew a big lead. They were up by, up by three touchdowns in the, in the third quarter, and they ended up having to score late in the game to win that game. In fact, the last two victories, Central Florida and, um, and, and Duke, have been because of fourth-quarter rally in Delaware, too. 
because of the fourth quarter rallies. That was the game. Delaware was the game Pickett didn't play because of an injury. Uh, but still, you know, they play an FCS team, and you got to score in the fourth quarter to beat them. Uh, that, that shows you this team is good, but maybe not as good as some people think. Yeah, it's kind of the story of the ACC. Syracuse had no business beating NC State, and yet <laughs> there they were at the end of the game with a chance to drive down yeah. the field. You never know. That's why That's why the ball has two points on the end, right? You know, I, I guess so. My mind's just crazy ways. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Jerry. Uh, I hope you enjoy the game Friday night. My pleasure, Stephen. Thank you. All right. Thanks again to Jerry. Really appreciate his time. A uh, guy who's been covering Pitt since I started uh, working for the Post Standard in 2014 and um, someone who I've really enjoyed reading his work and, and learning from a little bit on the media side of things. Uh, let's jump into some questions on Twitter now. Uh, I already saw one come across my screen asking why we use the saxophone intro. Hey, if you got a better one, <laughs> send it to me. <laughs> we have to uh, to use music that... Um, doesn't have any rights owned so you know feel free to send me your ideas uh i am the audio editor and i'm certainly open to something that you think sounds less stupid uh rel loren uh pitt has been one of the most disruptive defenses in the nation when it comes to tackles for loss and sacks given the difficulties of the line how should dino babers and mike lynch plan to counter their attack anything we haven't touched about maybe in regard to protection that you think they should give a shot um, I'm no O-lineman specialist. Um, if anything, I'll direct you more to passing techniques. And I think we talked about it a little bit earlier in terms of screening uh, defensive lines and pressures. But a problem I think for Syracuse, for, that Syracuse may run into is what if Pitt's getting uh, pressure without blitzes, which I think is entirely possible and has been something that Syracuse has struggled with throughout the season where four and even three-man rushes are getting to the quarterback. Um in this instance, it, that's when you start to pull in your running back a little bit to help you keep in uh, – get extra blockers. But And, and that's my fear. If, they, if, if Pitt finds a way to get pressure with four and three guys and sometimes maybe even bringing a fifth, uh, I think that's when Syracuse's offense goes into the tank. That's when things uh, go awry. You can't get the ball out in time. You can't get the quick game going. Obviously, there's not going to be much of a, a, a deep passing game. So – for Syracuse, the hope is that they don't allow four and three-man pressures to get in. And if they can do that, obviously, with just solid protection up front, guys winning their one-on-one, um, bringing black backs and uh, tight ends in to help with the press protection, I think if they can find a way uh, to keep that four and three-man rushes from coming in, I think that gives them a pretty solid chance to win this game. Yeah, I believe that when I see it. Um, <laughs> one, <laughs> one thing I kind of wonder why they don't do a little more is move the pocket. You know, I think back to that Clemson game and they ran this little, uh, yeah, I guess, ro- ro- designed rollout where they pulled a guard, tight end corner route, and Tristan uh, kind of running, I guess, a, a deep post. And they almost hit it to Tristan once. I think it was a free play. And then on the next, next snap, they went back to the exact same play and hit Luke Benson on a corner route. We didn't see them do it against NC State until, I believe, the third quarter. So I don't know if they're susceptible to something when they do that that I'm not aware of. But I, I really think moving the pocket around is, is probably a good idea um, just to try and keep the defense off its toes a little bit. Uh, but a good a good question there. And, I mean, frankly, it's it's the biggest challenge right now for, for Lynch and Babers and offensive line coach Mike Cavanaugh. Uh, Doc Vernald, do you think Cuse employs any more of the Wildcat formation with Adams and maybe Neal? 
Well, it's an interesting question. I thought it worked all right for Abdul, and I think it was clear based on them going away from it after a few snaps that, that the staff kind of views that really as a means to create tempo and less so an actual way to, you know, move the ball consistently. Uh, do you do you think that's worth going back to, Julian? Uh, I, I like your point about as a means to create tempo, if it's something quick that you can get to on a second and two or even a – a mid second and four or five situation where you can just get to your back, rush the football, gain a couple yards that way, set yourself up for a third and short that you can easily convert because you've already got a game plan for it. I support it in that instance, but as a means to really create offense on a regular basis, I don't because as a defender, I like seeing the Wildcat because automatically I know you only have two plays. You're either giving it to the back or the guy uh, at quarterback is probably going to run. The passing plays usually don't work because you sit someone back in zone and just blitz. So you have a guy kind of sitting back waiting on any kind of passing play. Um, in terms of the Wildcat, uh, just as a play in general, I, I, I'm not a big fan of it. But in, in, if you're trying to create tempo, I think it's a great way, a great uh, formation to go to um, for Syracuse. But I don't anticipate it uh, happening uh, throughout a game as really part of their game plan. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I, I do think they're going to explore other ways to try and move the ball, but I'm not sure the Wildcat is – Something that's going to work in a larger sample size. Uh, Robert Masuris, why isn't Nikeem Johnson on the field? Him and Riley in slot to get ball quickly out of hands of DeVito. Uh, well, he's on the field when they go four wide, and he's off the field when they go three wide because they got a tight end. So, I mean, Tristan's not coming off. I think Taj has come off a little bit. Like, it's really just a matter of who do you want on the field? Who do you think your best receivers are? Um, I have kind of been surprised that Nikeem hasn't been a little bit more involved. I'm not sure if it's just an inability to create space. I know he had surgery in the spring, um, so I'm not, you know, obviously he's full go late in, late in camp, but he missed a lot of time. So I don't know how close to 100% he is, and we certainly haven't seen him flash that kind of breakout speed that, that he used last year to get behind defenses of. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if we get more Nikeem or, you know, if it's going to be more Sean. Uh, and then this is a good one uh, from Dino's Burner. <laughs> well, all right. Free advice. Free advice, Dino. Here you go. Uh, watching Clemson, why do you think Syracuse doesn't have so many different run plays like they do? Draws, misdirections, more play action, rollout sweeps, etc. Poor offensive line can't be the reason. This comes down to creativity. Well, what if I told you it was the reason because they can't execute <laughs> they can't ex, you know execute well they're the playbook they have now why are you giving more information to people who can't execute what they have now is that is that how you kind of see this julian no yeah you're right on there steven um one of the okay so short story and it's not really a story it's just kind of what happens whenever a team comes out of a week and they just lost, right? Especially early on in the season, the biggest like yelling point every coach has, whether it's been little league, high school, college, NFL, how are we supposed to give you more stuff to work on so we can be a better team if you guys can't get the little stuff that we've already put in? Right. Like, how are we supposed to get any better? And coaches always start to yell and get upset with the, the players when we messed up uh, some of the basic foundational plays of the offense because then coaches are afraid they can't put in new stuff that are a little that's more complex because you can't get little basic stuff right. So I'm sure 
that's been a nice screaming point for Coach Babers. And I'm not saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he does. But I'm sure that's been a great place for Coach Babers to start with his players. Like, yo, guys, we can't get this right. How are we going to add new stuff? And, Steven, you're right on. Um, it's hard to add new things to the playbook, whether offensively or defensively, when guys are struggling with what they've been given. Um, and in terms of just rushing the ball, we, we've talked about this a thousand times now. The off, this, it's just the way the offense is set up where they want to run the ball inside. They just can't seem to do that. So um, I'm sure as frustrated as the fans are about the offensive woes, I'm sure Coach Babers and his staff are just as frustrated, if not more. All right, I got one more. It's not a fan question. It actually comes from me. It's something I kind of been thinking about, and and, and how Syracuse. <laughs> I know, I know, I know how Syracuse blocks for for RPOs. And one, you're trying yep. to me. You're trying to run an RPO with a quarterback who, while capable of running, is now hurt, and that's that's really not what he excels at. And now you've got offensive linemen. Obviously, you're blocking for an RPO. You don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass. Do you kind of think? that that's limited their running game as a whole? And at a certain point, is it worth just, like, scrapping RPOs with this personnel set? Uh, No, you don't want to scrap it entirely because even if DeVito is hurt and even if he's not uh, looking to run the football, the threat of him doing so will always hold the defensive end. It will always hold the linebacker, whoever it is, in coverage with the responsibility on the quarterback and if you can get that little bit of an advantage despite your quarterback still being injured or not always looking to run uh you want to use it if you can because it does give you a benefit in the passing game so you don't want to scrap it entirely just because DeVito being on the field will be a threat because it's known that he can use his legs um but you're I think you it's a fair question though because you're starting to wonder at what point do we need to try to find something else and is this even worth using, especially if our quarterback can be in position to take further hits and obviously Syracuse doesn't want that right now. So if I'm Syracuse, I'm still going to keep the RPO action and all that in the playbook uh, just because it still is a threat. But in terms of finding new ways to, to, to rush the football, I think that's where uh, as coaches you got to earn your money and, and, and figure out what works despite having uh, limitations across the offensive line and maybe even um, at running back. So uh, this this year has been a task for Syracuse's offensive staff, one that we're kind of used to putting up points, going fast, putting up a whole bunch of yards. I think they've taken a step back as an offense, and uh, I want to believe that this is a point where Syracuse, as an offensive staff, improves because they've got uh, what seems to be – ice cream in hand during a, a 97 97 degree day outside like you're just it, it's melting in front of you it's, it's, it's really hard to save right now <laughs> for but um if they can find a way uh to figure this out i think they'll be better for it it's, it's just going to be a long season um while they try to put this together yeah yeah interesting thought there my only other thought is it doesn't seem like you see the offensive line getting downfield for second level blocks much obviously in an rpo you have to be worried about a legal man downfield so just come just kind of a thought i i kind of had and you know i don't i don't know mm. i don't know how big or small a part of of syracuse overall issues it is but hey you know we'll see all right thanks for the questions guys some good ones in there let's uh let's close it out with predictions i'm gonna give julian about 30 seconds to come up with his while i give you mine i got pittsburgh winning <laughs> i got pittsburgh winning 27 20 you know i just until syracuse can protect enough to to have a semi-productive offense i just can't pick them to be a team 
with some level of competence on the other side, right? Like, I don't think Pittsburgh is, is a world beater by by any means. You know, they have a bad offensive line. They are almost as incapable of running the ball as Syracuse is. But if you can't protect DeVito, like, I, it just seems to be a matter of time before it, it really unravels for that offense for me. I, I think this is – if Syracuse is going to get it in gear, this is the week. Because if the offense doesn't do it now, it's not going to do it in Tallahassee against Florida State when the line can't hear anything. Uh, and from there, you'd potentially be three and five, and I, I just don't know if this group can dig itself out of that hole. So for me, this is this is kind of it for that group. But you know, I'm gonna have to see it to believe it. Yeah, I'm going uh, Pitt this week, 27-24, and I'm choosing that score because I think it'll be close. I think Pitt actually is, is the better football team at this point uh, in terms of offense and defense. Uh, both teams giving up uh, nearly. Uh, about 20 between 22 and 26 points per game i think both find a way to uh overachieve and from that standpoint but uh again I, i'm not trusting syracuse's offensive line yet and i, I agree with you fully steven in terms of if this is the week to do it um they need to because it's not happening uh throughout the rest of the season if it can't happen today so um, i'm looking for syracuse to improve whether it's uh passing game finding things deep downfield all the things that they need to improve on to you know, find a way to win games for the rest of the season are going to be available to them this week in terms of looking for the deep ball, pushing uh, the ball upfield, finding a way to beat uh, issues up front, whether teams start to blitz or uh, your offensive line just falls apart. Finding ways to overcome these things are going to be huge for Syracuse going forward. And if they can do so this week, it gives me hope for the rest of the season. Unfortunately, I have no reason to believe that they will do so. Uh, so I think Pitt finds a way to grind this one out, 27-24. Um, I think it's a close game, but ultimately I think Pitt's the better team and finds a way to win. Yep, yep, yep. All right, thanks for listening, everyone. Really appreciate it. We will be back to recap the Pitt game. Uh, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to us. And you can purchase advertising on our show by calling Dylan Carpenter at 315-470-6069. Thanks.